Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is Sebastian Richard. He was born in Montreal, Canada, and he's a John Maxwell Team Certified Speaker, Coach, and Trainer. And along with his wife, Elizabeth, he's also the founder of a company called Thriving on Purpose, which is a faith-based leadership training and coaching company. What we're really going to be talking a lot about today is a book that he's written called Lead Like a Superhero, What Pop Culture Icons Can Teach Us About Impactful leadership. And I'm going to let him tell you about the book, but it's going to be a fascinating conversation. Welcome to the show today, Sebastian. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. As I said before we went on the air today uh, to learn more about this book. And, And before that, I know that so much of this is centered on purpose, on finding our purpose and knowing what our purpose here is. How did you find your purpose? Well, you know, it's a strange, uh, a strange path that leads us to our purpose. For some, it happens early in life, and for others, it, it happens late in life. Uh, I was somewhat of a late bloomer, uh, but at the same time, um, I was kind of the type of guy who couldn't really get a clue. Um, I discovered I was a, a very gifted uh, writer and speaker in my early 20s, but I didn't pursue those uh, ventures or those paths until my uh, my 40s. So basically, since I was in an environment that was not encouraging to venture out of traditional, you know, go to school, get a good job, be into that nine to five mindset, uh, I was not really encouraged to pursue my uh, my writing career at at a young age. Right. So that it, yeah, so so that affected me greatly, and it, it made me postpone basically what was my purpose all this time. So I went and got a good job uh, with the government uh, as a postal worker for the last uh, 15 years. And, and I, was, uh, I was pretty miserable doing that because I was just not doing something that I felt called I, I should be doing. Right. And um, when uh, my mother was about to pass away, uh, she was on her deathbed and I went to visit her. Uh, it was a very emotional time. Uh, and I knew I had to, you know, pay attention to what she was going to say because when you know you're visiting the person, and I, I lived uh, 12 hours away, uh, uh, 12-hour drive, so it's not like I could visit her every day. So I knew I had to really pay attention to her words and what she was going to tell me because we both knew this would probably be the last time I'd see her alive. And she, uh, she just asked me a question. She said uh, she was very weak, and she said, Sebastian, can I ask you a question? I said, sure, Mom, whatever whatever you want to ask me, it's fine. She said, where's your faith? And at the time, it didn't resonate with me. It just upset me because uh, my mom knew I, I, I was, I've always been a man of faith since I was 10 years old. I've uh, been a Christian and a churchgoer since a very young age, and my mom knew I was engaged in, in uh, my church-going uh, activities and, and, and Bible reading, I was a devout Christian. 
So that she would ask that to me seemed very out of place and very weird. And I only figured it out eight months later um, when I was listening to a, I think it was a podcast or a motivational speakers, uh, kind of a audio recording I was listening to. And the guy said, if you're not using your gifts and your abilities to bless other people, you're wasting your life. And as soon as he uttered those words, my mother's words echoed at the same time, and I finally got it. Um, because my mom had seen me at a younger age, writing, speaking at my local church, uh, being engaged in those ventures. But she never really pushed me towards them. And, and she, she just admired that I did that, and I did it well, but she didn't really openly encouraged me into pursuing that. So when I had quit doing that to be sensible, quote unquote, and, and, and just go uh, with the flow and, and find a good paying job and doing the, the, the good husband and father thing by providing, by staying at that good job that I hated, right. uh, she just didn't bother going into it with me and saying, what are you doing with your life? Because I was doing the right thing, you know, basically by being responsible. Exactly. But I, yeah, but I wasn't doing what she felt I was really gifted at. So those words on her deathbed really stirred me in a deep, deep way. And not long after that, I knew, I just knew I had to get back to speaking. And that's when I joined the John Maxwell team to become a certified speaker, coach, and trainer. And by joining the John Maxwell team, uh, obviously, you know, if you know anything about John Maxwell, he's probably the world's foremost uh, expert on leadership. Yes. So that's when I really got a huge training in, in leadership, and I immersed myself into it, and that's what led me to write that book. So that's, yeah, why, that's how I found my purpose, basically. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, what what a great story. And, you know, when your mother was asking you, you know, where is your faith, she meant your faith in yourself to, you know, have faith in your ability to, to do these things that you're passionate about. And uh, like you said, you were not doing anything wrong. You were leading a very responsible life like so many of us do, but it wasn't what you were called to do, and she was challenging you there. So you had a, a very... Uh, a, a, a deathbed experience, actually, that called you to your purpose. When the rest of us are still trying to figure out our purpose, do you have a method for how we can figure that out? Are there questions we should be asking ourselves? What would you suggest for somebody who is stuck in the kind of rut that you were and wants to break out of it, but perhaps because of financial constraints or responsibilities to family members or whatever it might be, they are not doing that. What, what would you say to them? Yeah, well, like, like it was the case for me, I mean, I, I, I went from full-time to part-time uh, with my day job. So I'm still, not, I'm still not fully quit. I didn't quit my day job fully yet. Uh, so it's a transition. And I don't recommend uh, just uh, quitting your job like all at once, especially if you have a mortgage and a marriage and, a, and the kids. You've got to transition smoothly, but there are some, like you said, some questions that need to be asked that are really, really going to help you get on the, the right track. And uh, uh, first of all, you need to be willing to try new things and experiment. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, if 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 you're if you're young, that's the best time to do it. I mean, if you're in your early twenties, uh, uh, try a lot of stuff and see what you're really passionate about and what you're really gifted in. So basically, the questions you need to ask yourselves are three questions. Okay. The okay, number one question they? is, what am I really gifted in? In other words, what's a real strength of mine? And when I say strength, I don't mean a skill. Because a lot of people confuse a skill with a strength. You can be yeah. good at something, but it might not necessarily be easy for you to do. Mm-hmm. So that's more of a skill. If it's a strength, you're going to be good at it, and it won't demand that much of an effort. It's going to kind of flow out of you. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So that's exactly. a strength. So that's the first thing you need to ask yourself. What am I really gifted in? Number two. Well, can, yeah, can, I, can I ask a, a question there about the strength versus the skill? So yeah. would a, strength, a strength would be broader than a skill. A strength would be something that you might be able to apply over all kinds of categories, industries, situations, whereas a skill is something that's probably – uh, more specific. Would that be a fair way to also define that? A, a strength can definitely be more vast in scope, like mm-hmm. you just uh, pointed okay. out. I, I like that. Yeah, it's true. I mean, when you're strong at something, you can adapt it to many different situations or demands, whereas a skill is more uh, limited and narrow, and it, it, it will demand more energy at the end of the day. Sure. Okay. And so, again, question number two. The question number two you need to ask yourself is, are you really passionate about it? Is it something you really love doing that you really, like, it, 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 it's not hard to get out of bed to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the not question number two. And, and oftentimes people stop at that. You know, I know many coaches in my profession who stop at those two questions, and it's a really, really good start because where those two things intersect, you have a really good clue as to what your purpose is. But there's a third question that I think is really, really crucial you need to ask. And that question is, did you get confirmation from people around you about that? In other words, when you exercise that gift, okay, that you're really passionate about, did you get confirmation from people that did they want more of it? Did they praise you for it? Did they love it when you do it? Did they want, you know, did they, did they ask for it? You're going to get confirmation from the, the people around you. If it's really a strength and you're passionate about it and it's your calling or purpose, you're going to get confirmation. And a lot of people uh, sometimes delude themselves. Uh, I think we've, we've seen that many times on American Idol. They, they, they think it's a strength and, and they're passionate about it and they, they go at it full throttle, but there's only one problem. They're not good at it. So they, get, they, don't get, they don't get confirmation. Instead, they, they get like Simon Cowell telling them, what are you doing? This is the worst thing I've ever heard. So you need to get confirmation. And, and if it is a gift and you're passionate about it, if it's truly a gift, you will get confirmation from people. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned in your challenge to yourself to go out and, and find that purpose and act on that purpose that led you to John Maxwell, who is a foremost leadership expert uh, in the world. And you worked with him, you studied, and that led you to the writing of your book, which is Lead Like a Superhero. Uh, you call it, it it's, really, it's really fun, I like it. You said this, booth, this book is your phone booth. Uh, 
tell us about the book. Why is it your phone booth? And, and what yeah, is it like I, to lead like a superhero? Uh, when I came up with the phone booth analogy, I, I, I use it for, for, for the copy for the book, right, to, 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 mm-hmm. to get people interested in the book. What I, what I tell people basically is if you want to change into a more powerful leader, this book is your phone booth because we all know that Superman uses a phone booth to change yeah. from Clark Kent to Superman. So that's how I'm using the analogy. That book is your phone booth. It's going to enable you to change from a good leader to a powerful leader. Big, big difference so, there. Very important yeah. distinction. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of people have some leadership skill or some or, or, or good leadership skill, but they, they might not have that, that extra oomph or, um, uh, you know, like the, the thing that really makes you into a great leader. Yeah, so, so tell us about the book. Um, what If I were to read this, if I were to go into this phone booth of a book and expect to come out transformed, what would I find in it that's going to help me do that? Well, what's really different about the book is that it uses familiar superheroes as a template for you to uh, learn not only about leadership, but also about the leaders around you. And I think a great way to learn about leadership is to examine many different types of leaders. And we have them every day in front of our eyes. Uh, We have all kinds of leaders in all kinds of situations. We just need to open our eyes to it. And sometimes we don't really pinpoint, we kind of have a hard time pinpointing what makes a leader more efficient than another. And that's what I do in that book. But I use, instead of using corporate leaders or or uh, leaders from history, I basically used uh, superheroes. And so the book is perhaps aimed at a um, a younger generation of leaders, you know, those uh, young, uh, hip 20-year-olds or maybe 30-year-olds who are uh, starting a company or young entrepreneurs who might not uh, necessarily want to buy a John Maxwell book. It's not because the John Maxwell book isn't really for them. I mean, I believe John Maxwell books are amazing, and, and they, you can learn a great deal from them. I'm, I'm the example of that. But it might not be the, the thing they, they would go for necessarily. They might not be uh, necessarily into reading leadership books. So that was aimed. The book was aimed more at a, at a younger generation and to get them interested in the very important topic of leadership. Because I think that everything rises and falls on leadership, and that quote is from John Maxwell. And when he says everything, I, I've come to realize it's really everything. I mean, it's your yourself, your family, your community, your uh, your uh, company, your 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 church, your school. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Yeah. And, and why, why do you say that? You say that so passionately, to borrow a word that you used earlier. You say that so passionately. Why do you believe that? Well, I believe that uh, the, biggest thing, uh, the biggest reason why I believe that is because for the longest time as a youth, I didn't have an easy childhood. I, have, I had a very hard childhood. I grew up uh, poor in Montreal. My parents were uh, on... Um, on welfare most of my life. Uh, my dad was not a very responsible man. So um, I grew up with a serious lack in leadership. So I didn't have any leaders around me. So uh, there, I believe there's two ways a person can come into contact with leadership. There's the people who are 
kind of like surrounded by leaders. Either, either they have family members, their dad's an entrepreneur, has, a, has his own business, or, or they have people around them and they're in touch with it. So for them, it's like they see it pretty much every day or they, they come into contact with it. And then there's the other people who have seriously lacked it and therefore have hungered for it. And I was the latter. I was the type who, who lacked it and grew up wanting to compensate for what was, in my growing up years, a serious lack. Um, and so I, I saw it as something that would impact my marriage, that would impact uh, a ministry if I had one in church, or that impact my whole life if I bettered myself. If I became better, I knew that everything else would fall into place. And since I grew up in a broken home, uh, I didn't want my wife or children to suffer the way I saw my mom suffer yeah. uh, while growing up. Yeah. So, so you make a great point there. A lot of times when people think about leadership, they think of you know the powerful corporate moguls. They think of uh, political leaders. But you're saying that you can practice, everybody can practice leadership on a daily basis in a variety of situations. It's not just for those who are leading companies or for those who are political figures. Exactly. And that's what the book's all about. Lead like a superhero. The, the, the tagline is ditch the suit, embrace the cape. <laughs> and that's exactly what I mean by that. It's Basically, leadership is very organic. It starts from within. And it starts with yourself, leading your own life. And then the ripples impact your family and, and your community and your job and your workspace and, and other people, your friends. And so it really starts from within. And I think oftentimes we're, we're, when we read about leadership or we see articles on leadership, it's always in the corporate. And obviously it is in the corporate in the world, it's very important, and it's, it's put to the forefront, and that's fine. But I really want to empower people to lead their own lives and, and their families because I believe leadership begins at home. Yes, absolutely. Give us a couple of examples from your book. I realize that we're not going to be able to go into that, you know, to all of the different examples you have, but give us a, you know, take, take or even just take one superhero and talk to us about that style and, and uh, what you found out. All right. Uh, well, I, basically, there's uh, eleven. There's there's twelve uh, twelve superheroes in the book that I speak mm-hmm. of. Right. And each of them leads differently, and that's what led me to write the book. Is is, is when I first got the idea, it came like a lightning bolt. Uh, you know, inspiration can. It's a very funny thing about inspiration. It can really hit you like a lightning bolt, and that's what happened. Absolutely. To be like a superhero, yeah. because I'm a fan of comic books. Uh, while I was Going my undergoing my training for leadership training, I realized that just that I had a thought. I was like, "Oh, superheroes are really good leaders." And then I thought about Superman, and I was like, "Oh, Superman, yeah, he's the leader who forges ahead like a locomotive, strong like a locomotive. Like he can he can do anything." So so I started writing that down, you know, like I'm oh, Superman and how he leads. And then Batman, I said, "Wow, Batman is a great leader too, but he leads completely differently than Superman." Mm-hmm. While Superman is really good with people, Batman doesn't really have any people skills. However, he's an amazing analyzer. He's going to analyze a situation and know every possible outcome and then enter the fray with amazing results. So I wrote Batman down as the leader who leads from the back, analyzing, 
Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I thought, obviously, about the the better leaders out there, like Captain America, who is probably in the (laughs) superhero world, the the one who's known as the best leader. So Captain America has pretty much all the skills. He's strong all across the spectrum. So he's the brilliant unifier and strategist. So he's going to be able to take a a ragtag gang and make them into a cohesive force because he's a good unifier. And he's going to come up with an incredible strategy, plan A, plan B, if that fails, and plan C. And he's still going to have amazing results. So that's yeah. Captain America to cover all the bases. Very smart. Um, sure. There's the, yeah. the the Wolverine also. I don't know if we have time. I don't want to go over. But sure. Yeah. Let's do the Wolverine. Yeah, the Wolverine leader is the, the the guy that people like. What you put Wolverine as the leader? Absolutely. And here's what the Wolverine leader is from from the comics and from the movies. We see that Logan. He he is like the 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 guy you would never put a leadership tag on because you're like, this guy can't lead. But that's not true. When there's a crisis and everybody's on the floor and there seems to be no hope, he's the passionate situational leader. When nobody seems to have the gall to rise up and take charge, he's the one who's going to rise up from seemingly out of nowhere Mm -hmm. and take things up to a new level and people are actually going to follow his lead. He kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, and he gets people's attention because he comes out of nowhere, too. So, exactly. Uh, yeah. So there's all different ways to exhibit leadership qualities. And you, like you say, you've got 12 of them in your book. You briefly went through yeah. four of them. It's a fascinating read. And if people would like to get a copy of the book, where would they go to do that? Well, obviously, it's all, it's all over online, so you can definitely get it on Amazon.com. Uh, or if you want, you can also go to leadlikeasuperherobook.com. So basically anywhere online, any venue, they, they can find the book. Okay, me leadlikeasuperherobook.com. Uh, you can get it there. You can get it on Amazon.com. And then you've got another website. We talked at the beginning of this show about finding your purpose. The name of your company is Thriving on Purpose, and you've got a website that people can go and visit uh, for that as well. What is the name of that website? Absolutely. Uh, it's thrivingonpurpose.com, and the website is uh, our pretty much our, our uh, headquarters for me and my wife. My wife is also a John Maxwell certified team member, and she is a coach. She excels at one-on-one coaching, and uh, we both uh, can be found there. Okay, so go for the book at Amazon.com or leadlikeasuperherobook.com. Go to thrivingonpurpose.com, which is the headquarters that Sebastian and his wife have for helping others find their purpose in life. Sebastian, it's been wonderful having you on the show today and much continued success to you uh, with your newfound purpose. Uh, Kelly, thank you. It was really great being there. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.